This is Grow Your Life with Jason Scott Montoya, a podcast with stories and systems to live better and work smarter. Welcome to another episode of Inspirational People. I'm Jason Scott Montoya, and today I get the privilege of introducing you to my longtime friend, John Lemberg. John, say hello. Hey. Good to have you. John is a former pass. Yeah. John is a former pastor and the founder of Make It Loud Web Design, located in Buford, Georgia, and he's been operating it since 2004. His company provides marketing that gives businesses better decision-making insights and informed advice to grow their company. We originally met through the Gwinnett Chamber of Commerce a few years after I moved from Arizona to Atlanta, and over the years with shared values and interests, particularly our Christian faith and Star Trek, of all things, We became friends sharing the burdens and celebrations of life and dissecting the many episodes that we both watched of Star Trek. So, John, thank you for joining us. Tell us about you, your story, and how Star Trek intersected with it. (laughs) Star Trek changed. So I had, uh, I I always told people I was the anti-entrepreneur. I never intended to start a business. Yeah. Um, I just uh, never was interested or you just thought you wouldn't be good at it? It wasn't even on my radar. I, if you'd asked me 20 years ago and said, hey, you know what, you're going you're gonna to own a digital marketing agency and um, you're going to be successful in that and that's going to pay the bills for you over the years, um, I would have thought you were absolutely nuts. So yeah. I, uh, my, my college degree was in youth ministry. I graduated from a school called Eastern College, which is now a university. And, uh, and where is that located? My, my, in uh it's in st david's pennsylvania just outside philadelphia okay and uh and i i planned on spending my life in the ministry i i planned on spending my life in ministry my degree was in youth ministry and history of all things um and i i took position in orlando as soon as i graduated from college and was in youth ministry from professionally from 1989 um, up until about 2003, beginning of 2004, and that was my full-time work. So I, I had absolutely no intention whatsoever of starting a business. Uh, graphic design and digital marketing was not on my radar. I didn't, I hadn't messed with Photoshop, and it probably wasn't around at the time. Um, I was good with computers, but I really had absolutely no interest in in the business world whatsoever. Yeah. Um, in and around 2002 or 2003, I felt like God started messing with me about what was ahead and um, was really interested in creating a house church kind of ministry. Uh, the church I had served in was a local mega church and, um, and it had grown. I'd been, been through the process when I, when I got there, they were about six or 800 members. And then when I left, they were around five. So I watched I watched the church go from probably what might be larger than average to kind of mega church status over those years. Um, and, and while I, 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 I've got nothing negative to say about that model, it just kind of wasn't who I was. Mm-hmm. Um, I felt like I was more pastoral and more relational and, and what, as the, as the church changed, my role changed and I felt like I was becoming more, uh, more administrative more than anything and uh, those were really not my gifting. So, yeah. um, so I started in on this house church thing and I needed, house churches don't make money. So I had to go back and 
and figure a way uh, how to how to make money. I'd had um, I've been actually doing some mobile detailing to just put food on the table and um, while I'd started the house church and and detailed a guy's car who had a web design business. In fact, he's still in in, in business as well. Yeah. Um, and started to talk to me about that. And I'm like, all right, you know what? Maybe I could do something like that. I'd messed with HTML a little bit back in the early days and actually created a website for one of my youth staff. Um, but I wouldn't have considered myself a professional at the time. And, and maybe there weren't a lot of those even at the time. Yeah. So started in and, uh, and did it part-time. And within six months, I, I had a full-time salary and was working the business and doing house churches all at the same time. Mm. So that's kind so of how I got... Yeah. So a couple of thoughts there. Um, um, first is, um, you know, interesting enough, uh, I, I, am predicting that we're going to see the house church model come back in light of the pandemic. Um, when large groups of people can't get together. I think it's going to be clusters of small. So, uh, that's interesting. Um, but I'm curious. We think church, Mm-hmm. You know, they're, they're, they're not going by and large, they're not going in droves on Sunday morning for fear or, or whatever other reason. Um, and, you know, it, I've said this to you before in the past, you and I immediately, and that to me and the honesty in our relationship is actually more a church moment than I think, and biblically mm-hmm. more a church moment than yeah. perhaps uh, going to church, what we yeah. church on Sunday mornings, where you stare at the back of somebody's head and don't interact really with anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So um, I think it's, 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 it's causing people to rethink what church really is. Um, it, it causes them to rethink uh, what's important to them and what's not. And uh, so, uh, you know, that, that can't, you know, as long as they, they stay true to the scriptures, that can't be a bad thing. Yeah, I would agree. So I guess on that note, the other question I have is, you know, both you and I have had experience, negative experiences with other Christians and in the church but I would say that yours have been much more severe than mine ever have. So how, how did you uh, stay connected to, to your, in your relationship with God where so many people that have that type of thing um, mm-hmm. simply move on and say, you know what, God, I, I guess this didn't work out. I either don't believe in you or, or whatever their reasoning might be. Well, there are a couple of things I think that happened. One is I've maintained cynicism about the organized <laughs> church. Um, although I continue to go and I, I have continued to make that a part of my life and my church is actually still meeting on Sunday mornings and I was there yesterday. Um, so, so I, I, I maintain a pretty high level of cynicism about it. Um, the, the other thing for me, and this, this perhaps goes back to 2002 and 2003 for me, um, wanting to do these house churches, um, in the in the mega church, we have we have small, what we call small groups, and there is this. They have these different schools of thought in small groups. You have you have a church uh, of small groups. You have a church with small groups, and I, I would throw both of those out, and I would say church is small groups. Mm-hmm. Um, so so for me, um, the 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 church organized, I think, became less important to me. Um, and and the church relationally became more important to me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's how I've managed to stay connected. Um, and uh, you know, there I have I have a tribe. I have a you know the, the the cultural word we buzzword we use now is tribe. I have a tribe of which you yeah. I I can't thank you enough for being a part of that. 
and listening to me bleed and caring and loving and challenging and all, all of that over the years. And there are others who've, who've helped me do that. And I think that's really what's helped me stay connected to Christianity and my faith over the yeah. years more than anything. I couldn't have done, I, I couldn't have done without it. I, I really couldn't have. Yeah. So, um, the negativity from the organized church over the years, even negativity towards building house churches, you know, when I, when I even started that, I, I had a pastor I knew who was pastoring a mega church. He said, look, you know, I'd, I'd be all for it if you can collect money. I'm like, really? Is that kind of all that, is that why we don't do house church? <laughs> so, yeah. You know, and so it, it was negative there from the beginning. And I think the organized church is not very good at dealing with with it, real life issues in people. Um, mm -hmm. it's, Especially if it's, it's not good. inside of what's maybe nor more normal or more common. There's a, there's a bandwidth, right, in which it operates. And, um, and, and if you... If you fall outside of that bandwidth for for whatever reason, and and people do for a variety of things, um, the church I don't think is so good at at dealing with people like that. And uh, and there's no real real. If if again, if 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 church is just showing up on Sunday morning and watching a guy speak and then walking out and never really knowing somebody, um, then there's no relationship even to anchor them. There's mm -hmm. no no there's no friendship to yeah to, it can become very consumer or self-oriented yeah it you know it's kind of the difference between a doctor making a house call and and going to the hospital um it's uh you know we're a doctor who, who makes a house call you have a personal relationship with and and pays attention yeah intently going on with you because he cares and you know that that in that type of business model there were doctors who met with families for decades and, they, yeah. and he was in the house and and and, and hands-on cared for people now if you, you go to a doctor's office or you go to a hospital they file you in by some number and you're really more a number than you are anything else yeah um, not that those are bad but it, it's a it's a different kind of of yeah. uh, service so yeah. so how did how did you end up doing the business and the house church, how did that evolve after you started to grow the business? How did that morph over time? Um, I did, um, and, and there were different kind of vestiges. There are seasons of life where I did, I did house church for about five years. Then I returned actually to, to full-time ministry for a bit, for about six months, uh, turned the business over to some friends. And then actually that ministry position didn't work out so well for us. So I came back to it. You know, there are different seasons of ministry for me. I started with house church. We did that for five years. I felt like it had kind of run its course and actually never really became what I envisioned. Um, and then I went back into full-time ministry and set Make It Loud aside for about six months. That didn't fly. And then came back and worked Make It Loud full-time and, and worked in ministry part-time beyond that. Yeah. And did that till about five years ago. So I was actually youth pastoring until, until about five years ago. Yeah. So, and um, and so I guess you in the last five years. Go ahead. As the the business grew and it, it took more of my time, um, it made sense. Honestly, I, I felt like I was getting old for too old for youth ministry. Anyways, in some respects, um, yeah. I know there are pastors who are my age and older and who continue to go do it. But um, for me, I just didn't feel like it was. I didn't feel like I had the same kind of connection with the kids. Um, 
that I had in earlier years and, and yeah. maybe even didn't understand so much. Um, so I headed back into uh, working Make It Loud full time and, and trying mm-hmm. to make it grow. Yeah. So that, you know, that brings us to, to this t- today and this year. And, you know, we're in the middle of a cascading series of crises, started with health, economic, and then a social unrest. And we can definitely debate about the severity of it and the severity of how we should respond to it. But how do we wisely navigate this, especially as, as Christians? What, what does that look like? And, and how do we frame it so that, um, you know, you said you're a history major that, you know, there's, there's a lot of history of, uh, of trouble, uh, much worse than what we're facing. So what are your thoughts? Uh, they're, they're, I, I, you know, I'll call them guiding principles, I think. Um, let, let me say this first. That it, it's, it's easy to make rational decisions and right decisions when there's an abundance of truth. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm college graduated, you're college graduated, and, and, and I'm not sure with respect to some of the crises around us that the truth is so evident. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's very hard to find it. I think it's very hard to discover it. Everybody seems to have some kind of spin and, and yet declares they have the truth. Mm-hmm. Um, COVID is going to kill so many people and, and, or maybe it's not going to kill so many people and, and, uh, and you need to wear a mask. No, you don't need to wear a mask. It's, it's very hard to, to go navigate um, any, any of these crises, mm-hmm. I think because of the, the spin of who is reporting. And, you know, I'm old enough to have grown up in a different day um, in the days of Walter Cronkite and, and, and journalists who I think sought to not have spin. Um, and I, I don't know that that's, I don't know that that's so possible uh, today. It, what, what we get is, is, is media enhanced and is politically driven and is, um, it is not, I think it's just hard to find it's hard to discover the truth. And I, I, and because of that, you, you have people in very different camps and in very different places. And, um, and the only thing I know to do is to try to provide understanding and respect, uh, for anyone who makes decisions, um, based on the information that they have. And I, I personally believe that you can come up on, on either side of that. I should wear a mask. I shouldn't wear a mask. Um, we're going to be fine. No, we're not. Um, school should, school shouldn't, um, I, you know, you, you can wind up on either, either side of that fence and be intelligent and have sought out answers and, and spent time to discover the truth. Um, and, and ultimately, it's so hard to find it that when you, you, you get, in some respects, I, I think people are guessing, well, I'm, I think this seems to me, and they, they follow a course of action and, and you have to respect people for that. So if they want to mar- wear a mask, when somebody comes in to make it loud, if they're wearing a mask, I ask them if they want me to put one on, if they feel more comfortable and I keep one nearby. Yeah. Um, so, and I, I try, to, try, try to provide understanding and I try to just love people um, through this because there's just, there's no other way. Everybody matters to the Lord and everybody matters and everybody should matter to, yeah. to those around them. Um, I've got opinions, you have opinions, everybody's got opinions about how this is going to unfold or have unfolded. And um, I, I will say this, um, I have pretty well severed my ties with 
the television uh, news and anything media related. I just found it sensationalist and I found it of no value and I found it overwhelming and constantly mm -hmm. overwhelming. And, and it was so contradictory. I'm like, you know what, this is not adding, this is not adding value to my life. So, so for me, there's been a departure from it. There's been a departure from Facebook as well, particularly as it's become more political. And, um, and yeah. it's, it's, it's more filled with hate and animosity from the, the masked and the not masked and the Democrats and the Republicans. I just have time. I, I don't have time to go live in that story. So um, I've really cut the cord on that for me uh, yeah. to make sure that I maintain my own peace internally. Yeah. Um, so I guess the, the again, thing, just, yeah, the thing that comes to my mind as you, as you describe that, you know, as, as both followers of Jesus, um, I, I think we we come across people that have a similar experience with truth. Like what's in terms of faith and religion, they might be looking, well, why are there so many religions? How do I know which one's true? There's so many, um, you know, how do I know God is personal or not? How do I even know there is a God? I mean, all the suffering, maybe there isn't. And so I see in what you're describing as an interesting parallel to, to our walk. And so, I don't know, do you, do you see that as well? And, and what do you make of it? I think so. I, I mean, there, everybody makes decisions, you know, whether it's Christianity or what, whatever religion you choose to fill in the blank with, everybody makes decisions based on what they think is true. Yeah. Um, and, and, and spiritually speaking, you, you, you bank your life on that in some respects. Yeah. I guess with COVID, too, at least in the here and now, you know, you're, you're, you're making decisions and you're kind of banking your life on that. Okay, yeah. This mask is going to protect me. Isolation will protect me. Or maybe yeah. I need to be out there and I need to get it and that will protect me. And, and, or I need to protect my, my children. So there, you get kind of in this protection mode, but ultimately um, it's about life-saving, life life preservation and um, and discovering the truth and 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 you bank your life on that truth is what's most important yeah and well i guess that it makes that, me wonder though is are we outsourcing truth seeking too much in other words um, we're expecting people to tell us the truth instead of really doing the hard work of figuring it out i i couldn't agree more you know yeah. even in christianity there's so many Christian books written, you know, go read your Bible. Yeah. Um, let God speak to you through his, his word instead of taking somebody else's opinion, which may or may not be right anyways. Yeah. Um, and I, I know for, for, for COVID, I've had to go do that. I've had to go seek out places where I think, I think data lies, where I think truth lies. And I've made my decisions based on, on those, those sorts of things. Others have different sources of data and different sources of truth, and they're banking themselves banking on that as well. Um, I don't know that most people are taking that time. I think yeah. it's e just easier to turn, turn on channel 11 and say, oh, there it is, yeah. and have somebody give it to you when it really, it, there's, there's so many other factors involved in it, it may very well not be truth at all. And interestingly enough, you know, the, the best kind of lie is one that's only 1% lie. Mm -hmm. You know, it's very, very easy to, to come up with something that's that you know, ninety percent of it looks true, and well, sure, it seems right, but that ten percent kind of still makes it off. And my dad, when I was younger, there were these um, Dove soap. Was it Dove yeah. Ivory soap? Ivory. Okay, yeah. You know, they had, had 
And I can remember watching one of these commercials and their tagline was kind of always the same, 99.x number percent sure, right? And I, as that commercial was going on, I remember my dad coming in and he, he'd watched the commercial as well. And he said, yeah, but if that, if that 0.75% is the wrong stuff, it'll kill you. So, yeah. And I, that to me, it kind of sums up my experience with, um, with trying, to, trying to discover things through the media and other people. I've had to go do that for myself. Um, and I just try to respect what people uh, come up with. Yeah. Um, so I guess, you know, same, you know what's most true yeah so i guess as, as, as we think about living what does it mean then to live well what does that mean to you how do you define that how do you look at it how do you live that out you and i are perhaps in different kind of different seasons of life you've got itty bitties around the house and minor buddies. so um, <laughs> my kids are all gone and i'm 53 and and thinking about the days ahead and and the days behind um, and what it means to live life well um, part of that for me is is coming up with something workwise that I think I, I can live in long term and sustain and is life uh, filling instead of taking away and there are pieces of I think what I do now that really fit that bill um, there are others that don't and yeah. and I I want to. I want to be. I want to operate in in the sweet spot part of that for myself. Uh, you know, the best kind of work is something you enjoy doing, regardless whether you get paid for it or not. And if you, if you enjoy what you're doing, it doesn't ever feel like a job. So, um, so the the last season or the last seasons of my life, I want to be. I want to be living in that. Um, I want to take time for relationships, uh, whether it's family or friends. I want that to be uh, most important. Um, I want, you know, the vestige of authentic church to be most important for me as well. Um, and for me, that's that's living living better. Um, some of that also is is having more margin in life. Um, I think I think on the whole perhaps real church and real relationships don't happen so often and so frequently because there's so little, there's so little margin. People are so busy um, that, that they, don't have, they don't have time for each other. And I, I would like to have that time. So tell, um, tell me more about that margin and, and the problem that we have and, and what, what the benefit is of, of cultivating it. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you an example. I mean, when my kids were growing up and they were littler, um, the thing that used to drive me nuts was school sports and things like that because it felt it, it occupied so much, uh, so much time and so much of the family's resources were were focused on those kinds of things. We had to we had to even set limits with our kids about what they could or couldn't do. Um, you know, you do one thing, and and that was because we valued. We valued other things that were also important. And if that one thing or two things took up all of our time, then we were not getting to the things that we were okay. uh, so important. So I, I think the same is true in, in life right now. It's determine what's important to you um, and make sure it's got, it's got space in your life. Not only that, you know, there are those that would schedule every moment and I'm not, I'm just not wired like that. I, I never have well, been. I'm, what, what motivates someone to do that? 
Uh, there, there are plenty of reasons for that. Personality can be one. People, you know, there, there are people who are more scheduled than, uh, than spontaneous. And the Myers-Briggs, that's the J versus the P. The Js are scheduled and they want to make the most of every moment, so they schedule everything. And then the Ps kind of are more about margin and I'll take life as it comes. And, mm-hmm. and that to me or to them is, um, is, is living life better. Um, for me, I like for there to be B space. I like for there to be down to, for life to happen, for a friend to call and spontaneously say, hey, can you help me with this? Because um, if those are always no's, then I'm not being relationally so such a great friend either. And I'm not connected real well, yeah. uh, I think, with others. I, I prefer for there to be enough margin in life. Um, in recent years, I've, I've done a lot more camping um, and been out in places where I can kind of feel God leave the concrete jungle and go park my VW bus uh, in, a, in the woods somewhere, sit around the campfire with a friend and, uh, and enjoy some time together. Um, and those are the kinds of things where you get, you, you get space to yeah. sit, you get space verse. Um, I, you, know, you know who talked about this well was um, Jerry Seinfeld and Larry David. They, were, uh, they did an episode. It's hilarious. One, they love VWs, and I love VWs, so they were driving this beautiful car. Um, and, and they were, uh, were having, you know, commuting cars getting coffee is the name of the show if you want to go look it up. It's a fantastic episode. And, uh, and Seinfeld was talking about how they'd create these, these episodes, and he said, you know, I, I'd come into the office, and your office would say, you know, I had an idea, but we could never do a show about that. And then two weeks later, you'd written a show about that, and we wound <laughs> up doing it. And they were, it was hilarious to sit and watch them. And he, and he said, he put up his feet and he said, you know, you always had these, you always had these cigars. And he says, do you still still smoke cigars? And Larry David, I don't know, I don't do that anymore. I don't smoke cigars anymore. He says, you always, you're just always full of, of wisdom. You know, we'd, we'd sit back with a couple of cigars and we'd smoke and spend some time. And, and he said, uh, he said, you know, it's and, and it's a very different experience from smoking cigarettes. He goes, you know, cigarettes are. This <laughs> is you're rushed. You're, you're you you don't have time. And he goes, cigars are are contemplative. You have to take a couple of hours. You're you're opening your mind. He says to other to other thoughts, uh-huh. and 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 it would not occur to you. You're taking the time to go do that. And, and Jerry's going, oh yes, that's that's it's the contemplative thing. That's what that's what is all about and and uh, the same is true of life I think you need to take the time uh, to go enjoy it as a cigar instead of as a as a cigarette where most people are going mm. and just running from one thing to the next and, and at the end of the day just collapsing on their bed having no uh, time or energy for their spouse um, or their kids for that for that matter it's uh, it's figuring out and figuring out a way to be able to take that time and yeah. uh, decrease so, okay, so that contextualizes life, you know, when you think about work, you know, how do you work smarter so that you can, one, enable that, but also so you're, you're not inconsistent in terms of going crazy at work, but living a contem- contemplative life at home? Yeah, well, when, to, when, when, when possible, I think, um, it's higher for your businesses. Um, one of the wisest things I think I ever read um, or heard was was a guy who said instead of instead of building your weaknesses, build your take the time to build your strengths. Um, I am 
there are a couple things, Jason, I'm just never going to be good at. I'm, I'm not ever going to be a good basketball player. I'm five foot nine and I, I have no vertical anything. And, <laughs> and at this stage of the ball game, um, no practicing, no amount of practicing is going to make me this, um, this great, great basketball player, uh, nor am I ever going to be an accountant. Um, I'd, I'd, I'd rather make money than count it. Um, and, 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 and me taking the time to go, to go turn me into an accountant, which would be helpful, I guess, in, in some ways, perhaps for the business, but, um, but that's not my bag. Mm-hmm. And when you sit back and kind of learn who you are and what you're great at and what you're not great at, I would say where you can spend your time doing the things you're great at uh, that will leverage more for your business than anything else. And where you can hire out where possible um, through a VA or a minion, whatever you want to call it. We, you know, um, when, you, when you hire that stuff out that shouldn't, that, that you're not great at, that you don't want to go do, that is not lifing to you, uh, go in and do that where possible. It's not always, yeah. you know, financial realities and everything, you know. Um, so how do you, as a business grows, as a business grows, I think, you know, you, you start more being a generalist and as time goes on, hopefully you, you start more being a specificist. Mm-hmm. You're, you're actually doing more things that are like you instead of hundred yeah. things that are like you. Yeah. So I guess the question I would have for that is how do you, how do you differentiate or reconcile, um, maybe those weaknesses or deficiencies that are. Um, a part of a role that is more is necessary when you're leading people. So you may not go to be a good web designer, so you can outsource that to a good web designer, right? You could, you may not be good at SEO, so you outsource that. But what if it's communication or structure or um, things that as a leader, those are weaknesses. How, how do you reconcile the difference between kind of a technical thing that you're just not good at that you need to outsource versus a leadership trait that you'll need to lead those people you're delegating to? I, you know, you, you, you certainly want to try and grow those areas as well, especially if they're necessary for leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, John Maxwell said, you know, I, I can make anybody a leader, you know, but if, if you got the gift of leadership, you, you, you might be a 10 when, you know, you, you apply wisdom and understanding and training to that. And, and you might be a, a level 10 leader. And he says, I can take somebody who's not gifted and make them a seven, but they're mm-hmm. not probably ever going to be a 10 because that's kind of that's an area of gifting so you can still build build your strengths but build them wisely um build mm-hmm. the thing necessary more than anything else so that's that's what i would tell you in those particular scenarios i mean there are things that you just can't get away from you know yeah. check writing you know <laughs> and maybe you can't uh, yeah you know, well so on that yeah i guess on that note i mean he's talking he talks about uh, elevating people's level of leadership what does mentoring mean to you? How important is it? Should we care? Should we care? Absolutely. Um, I don't see a lot of it, unfortunately. I, I've always thought that kind of people older than myself didn't value it so much. And if the, um, and the questions that older folks kind of asked were more about what I do instead of who I am. I think there, there are generational shifts there. My generation down, they're at, we're asking the question, who am I? Yeah. And mentoring can help you cover that. Um, I think that life on life thing, having somebody who's gone before you, 
to help navigate the waters for you is just um, priceless if you can find it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, again, I don't, I don't know that it's, it's so available sometimes. I wish it were, yeah. it were far more. Available. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm also not sure sometimes it's something you can structure in. Mm -hmm. um, it's not, it, it, again, it's the difference between kind of setting a schedule and um, setting a schedule and, and, and just running it and then kind of organically, it organically happening between people. Mm -hmm. um, there, there are young people, I'm still to this day, although I'm not a youth pastor trying to invest my life in. Um, mm -hmm. I, I taught one of them how to drive stick shift yesterday uh, in preparation for a motorcycle class he was taking today. Yeah. Um, and, and, and continuing to try to, to go do that and, and, and build into others who are, um, who are younger. I'd, mm -hmm. I'd, I'd love to see more of that. I think it's immensely valuable, uh, especially if, if the, the person doing the mentoring feels a burden to go do it and has just love for the younger person and, and the younger person also has love and affection for the older, I think it's, it can be really fantastic. Yeah. So how does that tie? Yeah. So how does that tie into discipleship? Um, I think, you know, in some respects, it's, it's the best part of it. Um, mm -hmm. It's life on life. Um, you know, we, we kind of throw that word around the church. Again, you throw that word around the church and, and you, you, somebody's discipled when they've gone through some training program. And I, I, don't, I don't know that that's a fact. Um, mm -hmm. You know, Jesus spent time and the majority of his time in his professional profession, his ministry, um, with 12 guys and yeah. pouring his life and, and, and doing life and letting the experiences of life happen and trying to debrief with them what was taking place. Um, and it, again, it was all far more organic than it seemed to be anything else. Jesus kind of had a passion for the guys and said, you, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> and let's go. Like he, he just knew yeah. um, that these guys were the people he was, go, he was meant to go invest his life in, him being being God. Yeah. I mean, that was the case, but um, I'd love to see more of that. And uh, I, 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 I think discipleship is more about life on life than anything else. I think um, dis we disciple people into faith. I don't know if discipleship starts when you initiate faith in Jesus. I think it's, it, for most people, it started before. Yeah. Um, if you, you look at the scriptures, um, you know, where, where uh, I think it's Peter, you know, Jesus asked him and said, who do you say I am? And he said, well, I, you know, you're the Messiah. And Jesus makes a big deal of this. And he says, you know, no, he says, no man gave you that. He said, he said, God, God gave that to you. Like it was some kind of protected and beautiful information. Mm -hmm. um, and, and here, you know, Jesus calls the disciples. That would be their place. You're the Messiah. They're acknowledging probably the, for the first time verbally that, that Jesus was the savior. Um, and, and, and Jesus calls that out and makes that a big deal, but Jesus had invested in them. This was toward almost before he was crucified. He'd invested almost three years of his life in them at, at that point in time. So, so he discipled into faith and didn't just disciple them once they had some faith. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I would love to see people approach that with their friends and neighbors and, um, yeah. and understand, that, that relationships with others like that can be discipling 
kinds of relationships and, and, and spiritually beneficial. Um, yeah. When I was doing student ministry, um, I was, I, we, we did this survey. So I did this, this application with some kids. We were going on a mission project, not only take so many kids. So we had an application process. Um, and, and one of the, the questions I asked the students was, how did you, how did you become a believer in Jesus Christ? How did you become a Christian? And all of the answers were in, every single one, except for one. <laughs> and except and you know we took 25 25 people so the one person said you know we didn't we did an altar call and i came down and i just knew i was going to be a christian and um and it happened right there and you'd figure from from the way the church has historically done ministry here in the united states at least that's how people become christians you know somebody somebody uh, a pastor does an altar call or somebody raises a hand and it it kind of happens like that um and and what the, and the story the the application told a very a very different story and I think it's actually the same story of Jesus, um, and it was well I, I I came to church because somebody a friend of mine invited me, they I they they invited me out and I I came because of that and and I, I wanted to meet some people too so you know there's a boyfriend girlfriend whatever it was I thought that might be a great place and. Um, and I, I, I came to meet people. And then, and then I started to listen. And I continued to have conversation. And as I was listening, one day I realized I was kind of listening for me. Mm -hmm. And then another day I realized I, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> and not only was I, I listening for me, but I, I really kind of wanted to hear more. And then, and then one day um, I realized I kind of, believed what the guy was saying and then one day I realized that and I, I, I said something about it and there's this process that took that took place much of it very relational and I, I credit the relationship actually more than I do the, the guy teaching who may very well have been myself um, through much of it. Um, and and it's it, it was it was just it was organic and it took time and it took an investment and, and it took love and it took friendship and it took all of these things kind of come together to bring a person through down this path until they they understood something true about Jesus um, rather than than hey here's a great message respond to it and in in the church in our world perhaps those moments are even manufactured and manipulated so so I guess how does that um, correlate to being an entrepreneur and a business owner, or does it? I have leading, no idea. In terms of leading to other people. Well, I think you have to. I think you have to. You have to invest in others if you want your team to be to be better. Um, I applied for a ministry position, and this will probably sound ridiculous, but I'm going to say it anyways. I applied for a ministry position about 10, 15, 15 years ago. <laughs> Sometime in the past. <laughs> really um, and this, it was in a church I'd actually served in before. Okay. And, um, and I didn't know the pastor of the church at the time, but when I sat with him, he was just this sage. He, he just, he's just dripping with Jesus and wisdom and life and in his early sixties and his name was Bruce. And uh, we had lunch together, just the two of us, in towards the end of the, 
the interviews when there were lots of them with different boards and staff and all that. And this one was kind of private. We were sitting together and Bruce said to me, he goes, he says, you know something I've, I, over the years, I've, I've learned something. I, I don't hire people I don't like, and I really like you and I want to hire you. And I, I think he, it, 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 it sounded ridiculous to me at the time, but I think there's actually more wisdom in it because it's that affinity that I was talking about when you talk about discipling relationships or mentoring relationships. Um, he just, he, he felt compelled to be a part of my life. And, yeah. and I think if you, we approached employees more like that, we'd probably have a better experience with them um, than, than perhaps we have. Yeah. So if you're not investing them relationally in some kind of way, if you can't build a friendship, um, people will take bullets for you if, if you're their friend. And yeah. There's a culture of friendship, a culture of relationship. It's, far me- it's a far messier way to go, without yeah. question. But relationships are messy and life is messy too. Mm-hmm. So I, I think you get people's best work out of them when you have those kinds of relationships in whatever business you're in, you're fostering those kinds of relationships too. Yeah. So it's not it's not similar from from church and ministry work and Christianity. I think in some respects, that's what people yeah. want. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of times, it's not anybody can be taught a skill, right? And you can teach you can teach anybody a skill. You can teach them to count. You can teach them to keep your books. You can teach them to do whatever. Um, the stuff that often hinders them is personal life stuff. If you can get to some of that. And, and help people personally, um, I think you will see them, their skills increase and you'll see their performance get better in the days ahead. Um, mm-hmm. They're an environment of trust. If they're yeah. an environment of family, to make it loud is strive to be very familial. And, uh, and we continue to, to do that regularly. Yeah. So. Well, let's, let's shift gears a little bit. Um, tell me what, how have real and or fictional stories sh- or narratives shaped you as a person? Or what are some that have stuck, stick out as, as ones that have... You, bad ones. <laughs> you could go <laughs> both, <laughs> either direction. Uh, the fictional character I have probably most identified with is... Captain Luke Picard or Kirk? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I failed. Yeah. yeah, you really did. Uh, probably Captain Kirk. Yeah. I'm an, I'm a Star Trek purist. Um, although I like the other two. Um, I love the character. Um, it, it, you want know, to talk about relationship, you see it there. Um, I, I, I personally think that Star Trek is actually a whole lot more like Christianity than anything else. You know, you got God, the father, the son, and the Holy spirit kind of Kirk, Spock and McCoy. And, um, <laughs> It's always been said that uh, that Spock and McCoy is this is this battle between logic and emotion, and they verbalize what's going on inside of Kirk. He has a decision to make. He has a he has a dilemma, and he has to figure out what to go do. Um, they verbalize his the the tension in his mind uh, to help him help him make a decision. Um, all in the context of friendship. Interestingly enough, too that. Um, there's a lot of forgiveness in that show for when people make really stupid mistakes, Kirk himself uh, as well. Um, and it's, to me, it's, it's beautiful. I, I love, I love to see that. 
Um, I, actually, I think the, the better leadership show is Star Trek Voyager, though. Mm -hmm. um, Captain probably, Janeway? Yeah, Janeway, although I don't kind of identify with her in the same kind of way I identify with Kirk, um, I think if you, if you want to go learn about leadership, Star Trek Voyager is a, a master's course in, in solid leadership, um, mm -hmm. in solid friendship, and track it through the eight years and taking two different uh, teams of people that are not quite enemies, but they're not really friends either. Um, in fact, want nothing to do with each other. And then and being forced to, to, to be put together in the same crew, uh, being alone in their environment and being far away from home um, and having to make something of that for purpose. That show is, it, it really is, if you trace it from beginning to end, um, there's, a, there's a scene in the end of the show where, you, you, again, you have you have eight people or so on the on the crew and the character harry kim they're talking about about trying to get home they're, yeah. they're, they're away from home they're trying to get home and they have this opportunity and they have a decision to make do we do we try and take this shortcut and risk something or do we or do we go the long way and harry kim makes this beautiful speech and he says you know i if we've got if we've got to go further uh, and take the long way for integrity's sake i could i couldn't think of a, of a of a group of people that mean more to me and, and a group of people I would wanna go do my life with than the people here in this room. And, and to take that from, from two separate groups of people who were opposed and then eight years later, um, there's, there's this beauty in relationship. It's, it's, and you see it week by week, episode by episode, um, where there's far more conflict up front and them trying to work through some of these conflicts together inside and outside. Now, there are pressures externally and internally and, and winding up with team and winding up with leadership and winding up with friendship and winding up with respect and humanity. That's, that's the show to watch. I, 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 it really, it is, a, it is a complete master's degree course in leadership. So um, I think it's, it's quite definitely helped me. Yeah. So on the flip side, you know, stories shape us, but also systems shape and inform us. So how do you think about systems and how do you use them in your life and work? I'm poor at them. <laughs> it's one of my deficiencies in my, in my not being so organized or administratively minded, like I confess to you up front. Um, you know, I, I think uh, my battle has been the systems I created up front. You know, what, what was initially your solution later on becomes your problem. So they continue to take evaluation on my part to uh, uh, make sure that we're continuing to have the right tool for the right job and at the right time. Mm -hmm. um, my business has changed. It continues to change. It continues to evolve. It's more competitive. Some of the things we do now um, are, are not the same, does not, do not have the same priority that they had 10 years ago, even in the digital world. Um, Digital changes daily. You have to keep your head in that game, um, and it requires constant maintenance. And I think our systems require that same maintenance. Mm. Um, so, how how is the pandemic like? As a digital company, there's some advantages that that I imagine you have, um, but also being a retail store, you also have some of the disadvantages. So, how are how is it? How are you looking at it, and through those uniquely uh, polarizing lenses? <laughs> uh, Interesting. It's made me question whether or not we continue to need the retail space. Um, and I, the truth is, people continue to walk through our doors oftentimes 
because, and still, even during the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, I wanted somebody I could talk to. I wanted somebody I could see. Um, I wanted somebody whose hand I could shake or fist bump or elbow bump or whatever it is in this environment. Um, there, there's more, interestingly, it parallels, I think, our conversation earlier. There's more room for a lack of truth. The, fur, the more digital it is and the further removed you are from somebody face-to-face, the more room there is for error and for somebody to deceive you. Um, and a lot of the clients that we have have been deceived, just I mean, are just out a lot of money before they ever walk through the door. And they, they recognize the value of what we provide, but at the same time, they need the handshake. They need the relationship. I still have my first client from 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of our clients have stayed with us over the years. There are some I've done three, four, five websites for, um, redesigns over the years. Yeah. Um, so, so I'm, I'm questioning even during the pandemic, do we need, do we need retail space? Um, but people at the same time continue to walk through the door and say, look, I'm looking for you. I'm looking for, I'm looking for a place. I'm looking for somebody I can sit with. Just the other day, in the middle of the pandemic, you know, somebody came yeah. in and had a conversation with me and, and 70 to 80% of the people that walk through the door have the, the same story. I got screwed and I'm out three to $5,000, mm. um, which in perspective is some car, right? I, I'm out that money and, and I, I still need your services, but I need, I need somebody who's going to do it and be credible at it. So um, I have decisions to make every single year, whether or not we're going to kind of stick it out in the retail space or not. Um, the tools are such these days, we can work with anybody in the United States anywhere, you know, Zoom, yeah. you and I are over Zoom, although we only live probably about seven miles apart. Um, and, and I can do that and we can do that through email and, you know, and any of the conversations we have can be done over the telephone. We can serve somebody uh, remotely as well as we can somebody close by. Um, but I, I think in, 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 in the current environment, you know, there's a ton of fraud in digital marketing. People mm-hmm. just wanting to, to, uh, to take your money. There's, there's a hosting company that had a product that, um, was supposed to drive for $69 a month, um, is supposed to drive traffic to your website. And um, come, come to show what they're doing is they're buying, for $69 a month, they're, they're buying $30 worth of pay-per-click and pocketing $39 mm-hmm. and, and selling this product to millions. I mean, they're making all kinds of money on this. But there's absolutely no return on that product whatsoever. $30 of pay-per-click money, you might as well just drive down the road and throw that 30 bucks out the window. It is of no value whatsoever to you. And if anybody ever got a call from that, I would be absolutely shocked. They just, mm-hmm. It just does not return. And, yeah. and again, hard to discern the truth when, you, when, when, you know, when you've got this, this, pleth, this, this environment of um, potential for fraud. So, mm-hmm. and it, you see it, you see it, you see it on Facebook, you, you see it everywhere. So I, I think that's made our, our storefront more relevant, perhaps even now than, than ever. Um, at the same time for us, it's a lot of money and, uh, but it continues to be something at least right now that, um, continues to be worthy of our investment. Yeah. So we'll continue to do it. Yeah. Well, uh, what other words of wisdom would you share with us today? 
things you've learned on your own journey in life? Uh, pray a lot. People have asked what the secret to business is for me, and it really is prayer. Getting on my knees and just asking God for the next thing. Mm -hmm. uh, asking God to take care of situations. Um, and he's more close than, than far away. No matter what your situation in life, whether you're struggling in this, or struggling as a Christian, whether you're struggling in your home or in your marriage or in your family or with your kids, um, God is near. And, uh, and that's the thing to remember. You don't have to do life on your own. Um, because I guess God in a, well, in a, in a society like ours, it's, it is very much about like kind of lift your boot self up from your bootstraps, you know, autonomy, independence. I got to do this myself. So it's, I, I think for many I, people that go ahead. Yeah. I, I, if you've not reached this place in life, um, and I, where you, you know, you, you need help other than what you can go deliver for yourself. Um, you, you will get there. Um, <laughs> there in my life where I, I, I could not do without, without others around me or with, without relationship with mm. God. I, I couldn't, I couldn't do without it. And I think you get to this place in life where you go, I don't, I don't know what the heck else to go do. I, um, I don't, I don't know how to fix this. I don't know how to make it right. And, um, and there's a need to, and ultimately it has to, it has to come from, you know, some other, some other means, whether somebody steps in to help you and you have a spiritual friend who, who would bring health to you, um, and, and life and help you or, um, or whether God himself steps in, um, if you're not to the point where you, you go, I, I can't fix this in COVID particularly, I can't fix this. I can't, I can't fix, I can't fix its impact on my business. I would, I would like to be able to do that. I would love to be able to, to, to sit here and give five tricks to go make your business work during COVID, you know, or, or you just blink them. Um, and I, I don't have that. I, I don't mm -hmm. have, I don't know what. So how, how do we, I think, I think part of what you're alluding to is letting go. How, how do we learn to let go? Uh, probably the hard way. <laughs> um, you know, there's, there's probably a lot of worry on that path um, for, for most people. Um, a lot of fear on that path. And um, at the first, I'll, you know, just getting kind of transparent. I mean, the first, the first two weeks of COVID, um, my, my being a history major did not help me. Because mm -hmm. um, in my head, I'm going Great Depression, Great Depression, Great Depression, Great Depression, and you know what? It might be. I don't. I don't think we've seen the the uh, the impact necessarily economically yet. Our our government hasn't stopped printing money, mm -hmm. so so that that may yet come. I have no idea, and maybe yeah. it won't. I, I um, but for the first two weeks, I was just I was a bundle of nerves and just panic stricken and thought, okay, well, what would I do without this company? What would I do if I didn't have this? What would, how would I go make money? How am I going to go provide for my family? How am I going to go put kids through college and sustain that for the next couple of years through all of this? And your mind can run through all of this stuff. And it's just it's like God said, stop. I care for you. And that's got to be enough. And you just got to let it go in order to move on. And that's that's what I've had to go do. Otherwise, I'm just again a bundle of nerves and I and immobile at that, mm -hmm. and and that's no. Especially when um, 
in the environment, you have to you have to make real and very hard decisions. We had we had to let people go. Yeah. And and it's horrible to have to go do those things. But but those right decisions um, only, only come with some right thinking too. And and I needed to have some right thinking and and being caught up in all of the stuff that's going on. Uh, does not make it easy to go make right decisions. So yeah. you have to you have to set it. Trust that there's a God in the universe and that He cares. Um, and for those things that you can't fix, uh, trust Him and kind of let it go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that would be my only words of wisdom. Yeah. Well, what else uh, would you share with us? Anything you wanted to share that didn't get a chance to? Thoughts. Not that I can think of. Um, not that I can think of. You're, I guess the only other thing I, I, would, I would say is this. Um, and this has probably been a lesson from the last 15 years. Your life very well may not turn out how you think. Um, if, you, if you told me 15 years ago um, or 20 years ago that I'd be in the situations that I'm in, that I'm in the work I'm in, um, I, I, I would have absolutely no idea. I, if, you'd, if you'd asked me, I, I thought I'd still be in professional and full-time ministry, that I would retire there. And um, even, even some days there's still a desire to, to go do that. Um, and at the same time, you know, you got to go, okay, I, this, this path I walk is, is not just mine. Um, because sometimes life just doesn't turn out how you expect. And you have to make make lemons out of, or you have to make lemonade out of lemons and mm-hmm. what you think um what you think it should look like or um or what you wanted it to look like despite despite your best efforts and there there are places in life you can work as hard as you can and still lose mm-hmm. and 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 those are the tough places um those are the places that, that require a, a God to step in and go, okay, you're going to have to make sense of this because I can't, this is not what I wanted. This is, this is not what I thought would take place. Uh, this is not what I thought my life would look like at 53 versus when I was 20 and had these ambitions and aspirations. And if I could have kind of jotted, taken a pen and, and written out what my, what my story would have looked like. Um, this is not it. This is not it. Whether it becomes what I, I hope or not um, is up to God. If not, I, I, have to, I have to live one day at a time. I have to take what's in front of me and try to make the most of it and make the, right, the next right decision um, and go from there. And it can overwhelm you when things don't work out as you expect mm-hmm. or when you're disappointed. Um, and, and those are the places where you got to go, okay, and I, I, I do this routinely okay god i don't i don't know not only not how to fix this this is not where i wanted to be but i'm going to have to trust you anyways that, that, that it's going to be okay and I, yeah. I that's probably the ways i say most in my head um it's going to be okay it's going to it's going to be okay it's, it's going to be okay god god will make this okay somehow some way it's it's going to be okay and if if you're in that position right now you know there are people out here who out there who may be you may not know it's going to be okay today. Um, your position may be ending. Your marriage may be coming unglued. Um, whatever it might be, somehow, some way, 
God will make it okay. And, um, and, and you have to trust him for that. Mm-hmm. It's the only, only thing I can tell you. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing. Um, if people are interested in working with you or checking you out, where, where can they find you on social media online? Yeah. Uh, make it loud digital marketing online on Facebook. Uh, you can find us on the web at makeitloud.net. Uh, if you want to come by, come by and visit. Uh, we, I'm sitting in front of the storefront right now. <laughs> so uh, 28 Buford Drive, Suite 300 Buford, Georgia. Uh, if you want to reach out to us by phone, 678-325-4007. And uh, my extension is 102 or john at makeitloud.net. So cool. lots of ways. Now LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook. Believe it or not, I'm not kind of so much a LinkedIn guy. Uh, I'm more on Facebook uh, than anything else. So I'm the only John, actually there are two of us. I think I'm John Robert Lundberg on Facebook, but there are only two John Lundbergs on it. So if you type that in, you'll find me. So I care more than any other place socially. Okay, cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing. My pleasure. Glad to. Thanks for having me. For additional stories and systems to work smarter and live better, visit jasonscottmontoya.com. That's jasonscottmontoya.com. Thank you for joining us on this episode, and we look forward to having you listen in to the next episode of Grow Your Life. Grow Your Life.